back to the Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, an unsuspecting ash tree, Jay. Jonah's always is my co-host, a hungry borer, Z. How are you doing today, Z? Ah, oh, not so bad. Yeah. Well, you're a you're you're, you're not not a fan of what you've chosen for yourself. Well, I guess Sorry. I chose it, but you know, we are we are, Jack. It's one should be better. You're eating all those ash trays. There, they're, they're, they're going away. I didn't choose, Jack. Nature chose this for it. Chose the slot for it. Hmm? I guess that's true. You know, when if all of God's creation comes to sing, will the emerald ash bore not be among the choir? That's right. Exactly. That's really what you got to ask yourself. Precisely. All right. So uh, the Oscar knobs came out this week, Nick. We want to talk about yes, that a little? Yeah, sure. We're gonna, and we'll, we'll sprinkle in our classic, We Hate the Oscars. Yeah, well, we'll see, that's the, the thing. Anyway. We hate the Oscars, don't we? But then every year, well, golly, if we don't just start talking about the Oscars. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we do movies. We might as well, right? It's the it's the darndest thing. Every single year, I say I don't even care. I don't even care what they say. Those idiots. Then every year, I yeah. I well, I kind of. Then as soon as they're out, you text me. Hey, do you see the Oscar nominations? Hey. <laughs> hey, you see what these fuckheads got up to this year? <laughs> they're doing it again. Can you believe it? It's like why do why do any of us care? It's all just a, see. That's the thing you got to remember about the Oscars. Always is that it's not like some ethereal like um you know shadow council. That rules everything. It's just all of them. It's just all the actors who get to vote together. They're the, they are the Academy. Like, it's just those knuckleheads who all get together and have like a party once a year so they can all just pat the shit out of each other's backs, you know? Just really r- oh, yeah. rub each other off. So, uh, just a bunch of politicking around. See, oh, well, you get to win this year because it's time for you've paid your dues and all that. Yeah, basically. But, anyways, so I thought we'd, I had a fun name for it, Jack. Um, Ooh, I love a fun name. What? Oh, this is what it was. His his uh, biggest dubs, biggest snubs. Hmm? <laughs> I like that. So the absolutely biggest dub this year was taken by everything ever all at once, which I couldn't be more pleased about because I think um we obviously talked about this in our year review uh episode, but I think that was the best movie of the year. So uh, oh, absolutely, according to me personally, this is this is uh, a okay. Right, it should be a clean sweep. By right on the I money. Hope- it's it's up for like pretty much almost every category yeah that like a single movie it's up for like, like 11 i think i think it, it took the most this year with 11 which is yeah which is pretty good that's that's about as much as you can usually expect any one movie to to go for so obviously best picture which i'm very through. pleased by i'd be great yeah Absolutely. i don't know if it's got quite the momentum you know of uh mm-hmm. you know of uh obviously return of the king because return of the king in a lot of ways was like you know um sort of like a uh achievement for the whole trilogy right mm-hmm. like a lot of it's like well they finished the whole trilogy this year so we'll kind of sprinkle a bunch in um but then again you have like so return of the king right is tied with uh titanic for most ever i mean obviously titanic was just a fucking movie that everyone loved so we will have to see but um so yeah it's obviously the big ones like it's up for best picture uh, uh michelle yo is up in it for uh best whatever what, what's it called? Actress. Female actor, I guess. I think is what it's called now. Um, and uh, she's the first, apparently, first Asian woman to be nominated in like 88 years. Jesus. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That feels like all of the years they've been making movies. Yeah, just about. Matter. That's got to be like, that had to be like really early days of the Oscars for it to be the case. Um, they just like, they just were like, all right, this one up front, and they're like, and we'll never do it again for a hundred years. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I. Well, like the thing about it is, apparently, too, is that back then, I let me get this. Um, let me see if I can. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> so in 1936, 
uh, Merle Oberon, who was a biracial actress of South Asian origin, was nominated for her role in The Dark Angel. But part of the thing about this is that, so that's where the 88 years number comes from but some people have right. also reported it as she might be the first asian woman ever because um at least during her lifetime this this other actress kind of um obscure that either either she didn't identify as such or uh she did it like because of you know it was 1936 and people were shitty about that back then so for whichever one of those two reasons she didn't even identify as such in her own lifetime so Depending yeah. on who you ask, uh, Michelle Yeoh is the first Asian woman ever to be nominated for Best Actress. So, well, you know, good for her. any which way you, you slice it. Um, great accomplishment. Too long. <laughs> well, too long and an incredible accomplishment on her part, which is crazy. I think I don't know if we talked about it at any stage because we because we didn't really go into it much when we saw the movie. But like, apparently, that her role was um, initially conceived to be for Jackie Chan. Oh. It was going to be gender swapped. Um, yeah. And like, good on you, Jackie Chan. But I don't know if uh, I don't know if it would have hit the same, honestly. I don't think so. Well, because like the mo- I think the mother daughter stuff works really well, and it's kind of I mean it's obviously a different dynamic than if it were father daughter. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell there. But also, um, I'm gonna butcher his name, so apologies. But um, Kihu Kwan maybe, who is uh the husband? What's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the husband's name. But obviously, he's the one we talked about who was short round and he was in the Goonies and stuff. Um, he also got it for supporting actor, um, which is incredible as well as an accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. Given that uh, this is the first movie he's been in in like <laughs> forever, thirty years or whatever, thirty plus years. So for him to pretty much come in right back to get uh, an Oscar nom is amazing. Mm-hmm. I know he uh, he won that he won a Golden Globe, I think. Mm-hmm. With that he had a nice speech about Steven Spielberg being like, I had not get to. It's still good. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. Thank you. Gives him a big standing ovation. It's very nice. Uh, Waymond is is a uh, Waymond his character's name. All right. Um, and also, um, uh, Stephanie. Uh, is it Shu? Who's the daughter? Uh, she also got supporting actress. So. Oh yeah! Yes. Incredible. Love that for all of them. I think they all Absolutely. probably. I think they all probably deserve it and could have a chance. Really I mean, they have really. a chance. I guess that's how the. <laughs> That's how that works. But, uh, that's another one though too, because her role initially was um, intended to go to Aquafina, um, and like again, good on Aquafina and all, but I don't know. I don't know if it would have worked as well. Not, no, I think that's what I happened. I think that's exactly no. I think that's exactly what happened there. Oh, is that she kind of aged out of it? Um, but yeah, great for them. Um, also, some notable things. Um, Steven Spielberg is up again for Best Picture. It's two freaking years in a row. What an absolute king. An absolute legend. He still got it. He said nothing about Marvel movies. What a guy. Yeah. Man, what a class act. Maybe there's something to that. I saw somebody, uh, I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago now, but it was just something about how, like, Steven Spielberg is so incredible, and like, but he just, he really just is. Um, like, that at this point, you can kind of, there's there's sort of like a bell curve. It's, I, I describe this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for various things, but so... Obviously, lots of people like a lot of Steven Spielberg movies, um, but then there's there's like a certain sect of like um, faux intellectual like assholes who want to be like, oh, is he really that good, right? But then we come back around and we're like, no, he is. <laughs> he is he's actually like, incredible. <laughs> he's incredible. It's he's a he's clearly is a generational talent. Maybe the the best filmmaker ever, just because like the the breadth of stuff that he's done. Like he truly has. He is responsible for some of the greatest films of all time. Um, but beside that, also, he just has so many that he just he just 
keeps doing it. Like, oh yeah, he's pumping them out. He just, yeah, I don't know. There's got to be something to that, right? That's got to stand for something. It's got to count. Yeah. Like Francis Ford Coppola, good on you and all, but he's got like he has like three, right? And like four, yeah, whatever. And it's like I don't know. Steven Spielberg has never slowed. It's been no, nothing. It but, I mean, not nothing. Okay, there's a couple ones that are like less successful, but generally speaking, from 19 fucking 74, whenever Jaws came out, to now, he still is just it's incredible. So good for him. Wait. I we haven't seen the Fablemans yet, but I I would like to. I think I'm sure it's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a good fucking. We'll movie. Probably do that thing where we right before the Oscars we watch a couple of them and talk about them. I'm sure it's a good movie. So yeah, Paul Dano's in it. He, he is. plays Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he, he plays Foe Spielberg's papa. Papa Fableman. <laughs> um, Good old Mr. Fableman. Uh, also, some notable best picture stuff is that both um, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water are up, which I think you and I would both agree. Um, I wouldn't nec- I wouldn't I wouldn't consider either of them to be the best picture of, of 2022. Like not not even close, to be honest. And no, no, on one no. hand, it's almost surprising to see him up there. Um on the other hand, I'm I'm kind of glad for it because I think we've probably it's probably come up on here before, right? This idea that like they've gotten a bit too pretentious in recent years, where it used to be that there was more of this overlap of like movies that were popular and well liked by like the general public got a chance. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all bullshit and made up and whatever. Who cares? But still, it's kind of cool to see like oh yeah, these are movies that people actually see, and it it probably is like a ratings thing almost because they probably yeah. realize that like man, people don't even watch this if. <laughs> They don't know any of the movies that are even up, right? Right. So we got to put some. We got to give them something, even if they don't win. They'll yeah. still watch because if if people see like, oh, what's up for best picture tonight, and they just and it's a bunch of movies they've truly never heard of, um, then yeah, like who cares? But you know, throw Avatar in there, and like again, we we talked about there's a lot to like for Avatar, and it is kind of um impressive, technically speaking, for sure. So like as as a film, it's it's notable. Mm, absolutely again i don't know best picture wise it's one of those things where like it does make me a little bitter about some of the movies that have been passed up in the past like decade or so that probably deserved a similar recognition but also who knows how much of that is just like james cameron playing the the system and all and yeah playing the i'm james cameron playing the game of it all he probably cares more about that kind of thing as we've talked Mm. about endlessly he he does have uh quite the ego it seems so oh, absolutely he probably he would, have yeah he probably would care more about that and maybe he's more uh aggressive in pursuing stuff like that so because that's a big part of it too is how much um marketing you yeah do exactly how much marketing all these movies do for themselves to be like hey will smith vote for a movie hey hey fucking gwyneth paltrow you want to vote for my movie for reese witherspoon hey do you want to vote for this movie Denzel Washington has some story about that. I think it wasn't an Oscar, but it wasn't like a Golden Globe. And he was like, yeah, you know, we st- when the award season started, my whoever, like a producer or something, told me, like, you're going to go to this lunch. We're gonna, they're going to watch the movie. You're going to take pictures. You're going to shake their hands. And you're going to win the award. And then it, he's like, and here I am. <laughs> there you go. See, it's all bullshit. So, but yeah, so it's like they're not even trying to hide. Like, it's whatever. Well, here's the thing. I always wonder, like, they're, they're just human beings. They've got to be fallible, right? There's no way that oh, each yeah. of them takes it as seriously as the next. I always wonder how many of them don't watch all the movies. <laughs> I would say almost all of right? them. Right? How many of them watch every single one, you know? Yeah, so they're especially like, if they're like working. Exactly. So they're like, I've seen this one. So probably that one will get the vote. <laughs> oh, I saw Tom Cruise yesterday. So, I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he, he's all right. Yeah, guy. I know Tom. Man, we'll give it to this one. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll, I'll shoot a vote. Who gives a shit? Um, 
All Quiet on the Western Front's also up for Best Picture, which I think is probably fair. That was a really good movie um, that we saw. Vinci's uh, Adventureman is a movie I would like to see, but I haven't yet, but that's up for Best Picture. Um, Tar, I heard a bunch of. Uh, I know that was getting a lot of buzz when it came out. So it seems like that's kind of your very classic, um, at least modern sort of um, <laughs> Oscar film, right? At least what I think. Yeah, of. I mean, this like kind of dark and dreary and, and serious um tortured artist yeah, kind of thing character drama about like the unraveling of of a human's life <laughs> so got that going for you uh women talking is also up there triangle of sadness i don't really know either of those um yeah me neither but then i was looking right here and I never elvis which is a movie you saw this uh, last year and i did not is also up which i've seen a lot of people kind of um snicker at a bit because again it's like probably probably not <laughs> best picture worthy yeah I did like it, but I wouldn't. If, if all things being honest, I probably wouldn't make put it say it was the best movie I saw that this year. And the um, he, he, the other thing is that it, what's it, oh gosh, do you know what the actor's name is? Uh, Austin Butler. Austin yes. Butcher. Austin Butler. Butler. I think that's it, correct. Austin Butler. Um, he's up for best actor, and a lot of people are like, is that really? Yeah, that's that's a bit far. Um, he just, just kind of did a silly voice. Have you seen? He's still doing the voice. Oh yeah, I've I've seen. Was it he won the? Uh, I saw. I didn't watch the whole clip, but I saw people posting about it. Like at the Golden Globes when he won, he just was like he like switched into the voice. Apparently, like he's talking and then he switches into his Elvis voice. It's weird, right? It's like, yeah, it's a. Also, in the movie, he's not really like he doesn't say a whole lot. He's not a very central part of that movie if you watch it. So like, mm-hmm. I think Tom Hanks is more of a central role than he does. But whatever. Um, Brendan Fraser. Uh, got his first Oscar, yes. Oscar nom for um, The Whale. The Whale. Which I know everyone really likes, and everyone really likes Brennan Fraser, so good for him. Um, do we want to talk about um, biggest snubs now? We talked about some big dubs. Do you have any more big dubs? We got to do the big snubs. What's the snubs? Lay them on me. Um, so the big ones I, I've seen of, um, one is Nope. Um, got nothing, which is crazy. It really does seem like kind of bizarre that it didn't get anything anything like i mean don't put it up for best picture whatever fine but like it got nothing and like and even any of the technical departments and it's such a technical and like kind of um you know visually unique film with the stuff they're going for and obviously the creature design like to get nothing there it seems kind of crazy right I, I, absolutely oh phil got something i mean didn't get out get something didn't he get he, didn't he win for get out or us or I I really I couldn't say, but I wouldn't give it a look. Think there's a chance, but again, I I think even compared to those movies, um, Nope has a little bit more going for it technically, anyways. So for it to not get anything like sound or I mean, because it's yeah, I don't know, it's weird. It seems like a weird one. Um, another big one was the menu didn't get anything. Um, even though that had a bit of you know the artsy kind ofness to it, and as a movie you and I liked quite a bit, so um, a little disappointing just from that perspective. I think um, Anya Taylor-Joy or Ray Fiennes could have got the nod for that, honestly. Um, I thought Ray Fiennes was great in that. So, But again, who knows how much of that is politics. Has, has he gotten one before? Um, I feel like he must have. He's been in a lot of stuff. So you would, you would don't, You'd want to think, right? Ray Fiennes, Oscar. But no, he, I guess he, not. Well, he, he's just been nominated for Schindler's yeah, List. Got, yeah. Yeah, he didn't actually... Uh, he's not actually gotten anything yet. So, That's shit. Oh, the not at least for the menu. That was a good enough movie. What the fuck? You know, surprised the Northman didn't get any love. 
I was going to say, so yeah, the Northman was another big one. For, again, to get nothing is weird. I mean, that's a movie you and I didn't even love um, very much, but still, it feels like something that should have got something. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, and then I, I like also, it. another one that people were talking about a lot was The Woman King. Um, I, I can't really speak to that because that's not a movie I saw that uh, last year. Yeah, I, I didn't see it either, but it seems like a movie that would, again, just yeah. like um, The Norseman. Um, yeah, I don't know. I only saw the kind of the people not really liking that movie that much, so I don't know. But yeah, you know, so I was just like, it's not historically accurate. Yeah, but, like but, laughably uh, so, but whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, is there any other big ones we want to talk about? Um, I wouldn't say so. Uh, Angela, I think Angela. Bassett oh yeah, that's yeah. Role. Good call. She is, I think, I'd be the first Marvel actor who's been nominated. Yeah, which is cool. A lot of people were saying that at the time the movie came out, and I didn't really kind of, I didn't lend it much, uh, much weight. But shit, what do I know? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn because, like, I want this, like the everywhere all at once actor. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Stephanie Hughes, Shoe, I think probably Shoe. I uh, Shoe, yeah, probably Shoe. Uh, are up, so I'm like, I kind of wanted them to win to like, so the movie can win a bunch, but I mean, they don't win. Definitely Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. Granted, yeah. I haven't seen the other two people on this list for The Whale and the Banshee, Banshees of Aishrin, which, I mean, movies I'll try to watch, so I'll probably will at the end, so maybe I'll be torn. But Yeah, and like, I, I don't know, I also think that, again, just from like a human psychology perspective, that people probably sit there and like have the whole, the ballot in front of them and they're like, well, I don't want to vote for everything ever all at once for everything. So <laughs> okay. yeah, we got to change, it up, change it up a little. So that, that very well could happen. Um, I, I honestly think I'm inclined to think that the, the best shot that that movie has is Michelle Yeoh. If I had to put all my money on one of the, it winning anything, it would be that. Yeah. I'd have to agree. And probably some technical good. ones, probably like editing, Maybe because the editing in that is pretty remarkable, I would say. It's got a lot of fun stuff going on. And um, yeah, maybe like some other technical one, visual effects or something. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's actually going to win Best Picture. Again, I'm glad to see it up there. But I think if anything, um, it's got, yeah, Michelle Yeoh's got a good shot at, at lead actor, uh, actress. So All right, that yeah, definitely. finish it up. So. We'll check back in. We'll cross-reference this whenever this stupid show happens, and then um, we'll complain. Yeah, about it. We'll, we'll say like, "Ah, oh, the Oscars aren't even that good anyway, guys." Yeah, don't they're not know? good anyways. They don't know. They're a bunch of quacks. They don't know shit. Um, and yeah, perfect. Well, what did so we can? What did uh, what did Brian Tyree Henry get in for? Uh, was it for Bullet Train? Was it uh, Causeway? Okay, I don't know that. I don't know either. All right, I can take out of that then into episode two. Of The Last of Us. Uh, what is this episode? Infected, infected. I believe. Yeah, I think it's called Infected. Uh, this is a much, obviously, much shorter episode. It's only about an hour uh, compared to the first one. But it continues the trend, the very, I really like this, of, um, granted, it's only two, but still, of uh, cutting to before unrelated scenes to the our main story of before the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, yeah this one is um, much a little different than the one from the first episode. This one takes place in 2003 in Indonesia, where it's in the first episode, this outbreak starts. Um, and it's this, and this woman's eating in like a restaurant. The military comes and find her, and she's like um, a fungus expert, it's like a professor at a college. And they're like, check out this fungus. And she's like, well, this, where's this fungus from? And they're like, a human. They're like, that's not possible. Like, it can't grow on humans. They're like, well, check this shit out, lady. And she goes and she finds this body of this woman who's been bitten on her ankle. And she sees like all these like tendrils, like the little um, 
fungus tendrils coming out of her mouth. She like freaks out, like runs away. And the, the military guy's like, hey, like, like, what do we do? Like, what's the medicine? What's the vaccine? Like, how do we fix this? And she's like, uh, there isn't. We're fucked. You just got to bomb the shit out of the city. Like, you just got to kill everybody right now or we're all doomed. And it's it's a very uh, powerful scene. And obviously, we know. And then it cuts. And obviously, we don't know it doesn't work. But yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty intense scene. It yeah, it's really interesting. I agree. I I think these are super cool. Um, and I guess I kind of assumed the first one was just a one-off, but now I'm inclined to think that maybe they'll do one for every episode. They'll have a little bit of one of these. Oh, yeah, I would hope so. Just to really like that would really differentiate it from the game again. Yeah, give it. it it's definitely justified in the medium. Absolutely, it's one of those things where that the game didn't do at all. So every one of these is like, oh, this is super interesting, and it's kind of, it's almost got that like um if they do continue to do it from like all these different perspectives and, and maybe across the world and places and stuff um, has a bit of that, like world war Z feel like from the book that is where it's just like all mm. these different perspectives on, on how they've dealt with it and, and what the whole world is going through and how it, you know, might be different from place to place. So that that's pretty cool. It's something that's interesting. Yeah. Um, was something I was thinking about. Cause I know, um, I think either the showrunner or the director, uh, he also did the HBO show Chernobyl. Yeah. It's the, the- he's the showrunner, I believe showrunner so in this in particular like I, i've not seen chernobyl um obviously i've heard it's very good but this kind of gave me that kind of vibe where it's like a disaster about to happen and like just just gave, gave that feeling which i think came across pretty well so i think this guy probably was pretty good obviously a pretty good choice for this um i think i just think it just looked all very good like just 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 shooting the cinematography of it all the sets and stuff just just i don't know this in particular obviously the rest of the show looks very good too like the sets of like the apocalypse but just i don't know like that lab and all that looked very clean. I liked it. Oh yeah. When um just on this opening scene, one of the one of the only kind of notable similarities it has with um the first one is that in in both uh both of these scenes, the character um <laughs> strongly emphasizes that there is no cure to be made for for this. So no, you can't you can't protect against it, which is really interesting. Again, I'm, it's not something that was really ever addressed directly in the game that i can recall um so for for them to repeatedly bring it up in the show here to to get the viewer thinking about this i think is probably intentional and i'm i'm just very interested to uh see how that's all going to play out by the end here but no for sure because again when we cut back to the whatever current day of the story um the the main obviously crux of this all is that they're going to use ellie to make a cure so having all these authoritative um knowledgeable people in the past say like hey there is no cure we're all fucked regardless (laughs) kind of interesting so we're all just gonna die like um and then when we cut back they're like uh ellie to ellie joel and tess they're just going through boston obviously they're still skeptical whether that she's gonna turn or not and joel's like i'm gonna fucking shoot her the minute i get the chance (laughs) it's like all right Calm down, man. All right. Can you just for a minute here? He's like, I don't know. I got a killer. It's like, all right. Uh, and they're talking about uh, talking about a couple things. Um, what else? One of the things actually to, to relate it to the first scene, they find a crater and they're walking through the streets like, yeah, this is where one of the bombs went off. So it seems that this was a the, they did. I guess they might they must have done this in Indonesia or heard about it because then America was like, yeah, we got to bomb the shit up at least Boston and probably most of the other cities. That's what Tess says. He says they did it everywhere. Most most places it didn't work, but here it actually did. So I guess in, in Boston it was effective enough at least for them to be able to set up the quarantine zone. Yeah, the quarantine zone. But yeah, it's fucked. And it's not great, is it? 
Yeah. So like, like only the, these small fucking miserable pockets of humanity were able to survive because um, we like started willingly killing each other to prevent it from spreading, which is like, yeah, it's pretty grim. <laughs> Absolutely. And just like, like what's a timeline that and like how, and how does, I don't know if I don't, it might be explained in this because there's like, they're doing more, but like, how does Joel get to Boston? That's still kind of like, I still am thinking about that. And I assume it wants you to, because it, it yeah. comes up in this episode. Um, I don't know. Did they explain in the game how he gets there? Or is it just kind of like, don't worry about it? I don't it? think it's not explicitly. I don't think we ever know how. It's just, there's like a lot of like subtle hints and stuff to that. You know, him and Tommy, they did shit afterwards. And like, obviously they would have had to go through some amount of trials and tribulations to make it from Texas to Boston. Why they landed on Boston in particular is yeah, pretty unclear, but it's just, yeah. and, and that is reiterated in this episode too, but that like, um, Joel's a bad man. <laughs> like yeah, he is, is bad. Probably anyone who has made it this far, um, would have to be right. All the good people are dead. It's been 20 years. So the people who are still kicking yeah. have almost assuredly all done bad things to other people to have made it this far. Um, yeah, you're in that you're in that crux where it's not like oh we just gotta maybe we'll make it through. It's it's very much like this is the way the world is, and you ju- we just have to deal with or it. Or you die. <laughs> yeah, you yeah you gotta yeah, you gotta fight or you'll die. And it's, it's really a doggy dog world. Like he's yeah he's a bad dude. Like and I think that's something that people have a hard time actually like remembering, uh, especially when you know things happen later on. Um, but that like Joel isn't necessarily actually a good person. <laughs> Despite how he might interact with certain characters in this, um, yeah, he, he's he's probably done enough bad to not really be offset by what That's else good. happens here. Yeah, just because he'll make a surrogate daughter with Ellie doesn't mean like him killing all those people. Like I I don't think I'm like every person he killed when he's talking to Ellie about it was like one of those gross mushroom head monsters. No, like, no I don't, they probably like begged him not to kill him a lot of the time. Yeah, they uh, yeah. When she asked him if, if he if he like struggled with it because some of the because the infected he killed used to be people and he's like sometimes but he yeah he's probably thinking about all the times he killed infected but also the times that he didn't he just killed other people who were still people <laughs> yeah so that's also true uh, but yeah the they kind of they just are making their way to the uh, courthouse like their plan was or whatever is that what it is courthouse state house what do they call it state house I think and um. Basically, we get a lot of exposition continually in this one because, I mean, we're still building out the world. We're still fleshing out for, for people who haven't played the games and stuff. So um, we get a, a better explanation as to how the infection sort of works in this world um, and how it is actually kind of distinct from the game. And I actually really kind of like this explanation. And um, I've kind of softened a bit on, like, I do I do kind of think that the spores present an interesting thing in, in the game. Um, this idea that there's like certain areas in particular that are like super highly infected and, and they're dense with the spores. And so um, they're like difficult to go through and, and you got to wear like these like breathing masks and stuff. I do think that's neat. Right. Um, but the sort of different take on it in this in uh, the show here um, plays off this idea that and this is very much true to life. Uh, and that's the thing I've like heard before where like fungus can actually be like massive like these I don't know. Is it one organism that can sometimes be like this big, like stretching across? Like, yeah, it, it's like one big organism. That's let's say like the largest like organism on the planet. Multicelled is like a huge fungus that is like it, it like pops up everywhere. But if you look underground, it's just one continuous like kind of hive underground that connects it. Yeah. 
so basically the um the cordyceps in this does that um and so infected can kind of communicate at least on some base level um with each other and with the the yeah the subterranean um yeah like fungus system thing across pretty significant areas and i i thought that was really kind of interesting and um again it's it's accurate to how some fungus works in real life and um it's kind of a plan that and they basically the explanation they gave they talked about it in the after the episode thing was that the spores were basically two um too like what like if if the spores were real basically they said that like they wouldn't be contained within buildings and stuff and in contained areas they like just be in the air. they'd just be everywhere and so if yeah if part of it is that if you breathe in spores you you get the infection and you die well then it would be kind of inconceivable that like everyone hadn't already breathed them in by then um mm-hmm. so i think it kind of that kind of made sense to me too i was like oh yeah i guess that's pretty that's kind of a good point um and again i do think this is an interesting take on it as well so i thought that was cool and again we get we get a bunch of exposition dump about that it also seems like they hate light of some kind they certainly seem to be reacting to it right yeah and they didn't make it i thought they didn't make any comment about that because there's like a big pile of them where they're trying to walk and they have to go a different route that's more dangerous you know to make the, the drama of the episode um and they're like look and ellie's looking at them that's where we get tess explaining it to to the audience through ellie and then, like a beam of light, like of sun, kind of like moves across this whole group. And when it hits, like it's contained, like a little shaft or whatever. And once it hits a group, they like roll over and like groan. And they all kind of do that in turn as it reaches them. So it was like, huh, maybe that's it's probably sun. It's probably why they're. I mean, they're subterranean, so yeah. they would be averse to sunlight. When a lot of sunsets kind of like that, right? Like grows in the dark. Yeah, they're, and... they're they're much like dark, damp places and stuff. So it, that makes sense. Holds enough water. It passes a sniff test for me. Yeah. And it would explain why they're always in spooky, dark places anyways. So. And fun, happy, light places. Mm, exactly. So and so upon learning that, they got to take their alternate route, right? So they go through the this museum um, with a bunch of old, like, you know, uh, colonial time artifacts and things, which is fun. I think it's a, a it seemed like it said bo- a botany museum, which I thought was fun. No. Oh. But then there's also, like, muskets and cannons and yeah I, I, that's what i thought too but i i think on the bottom it was i think it might have been like a multi-level yeah thing. sure um but also it's, i mean it doesn't quite work because botany is plants and fungus aren't plants but true. whatever it's close enough but so there's a bunch of uh bunch of stuff in there and there's a bunch of the overgrown um like external um fungus growing everywhere but they're, they're like it's probably cool um, but it's not cool there's um two of the clickers in there um this is a really interesting scene uh this is again one of the things where the the show can actually get a little bit more like drama and, and stuff um, versus the game because it's not constrained by like you know gameplay like having to actually do gameplay. Um, and I think this will probably come up with a number of things of like yeah, obviously a lot of times the different mechanics that they implement in video games aren't necessarily for like realism or story purposes or any kind of narrative thing. It's just because like. It makes the game more interesting and fun to play. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, but so one of those would just be the like the the infected themselves. That like in the game, they're not that big of a threat because well, across the course of the game, you end up killing like hundreds of them, right? So you know they obviously pose a threat, but they're also not. Um, you know, it, basically, you don't take a yes, big uh, action like multi-minute uh, action sequence every time you need to kill two of them, right? Because yeah, the game would be like unplayable. So. 
yeah, like 100 hours long or something. Too, too infected on their own. Even the clickers do not pose that much of a threat um, in the in the sh- in the game. But in the show, they can. It doesn't matter, right? We we don't mm-hmm. have to have them kill. If anything, you wouldn't want them to be killing tons of them every single episode. They would get old because you don't actually. If you're not playing it, it's not interesting. Right. So right. I really like the idea that like it 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 very much emphasized how dangerous even just two of them would be. Um, cause I, I mean, especially in a world where like, and this is most zombie things, I guess, but if it only needs to bite you, that doesn't, I mean, that's, that's pretty high stakes, right? Because you could still very much yeah. win the overall whatever fight. Um, but if you've, if you've been bit, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's one in the end. Yeah. So like it, and it takes a, and they're not like human, like they, it's all like kind of in their brain. So if even, even when he shoots him in the chest, yeah, he like know, lights him up in the beginning and they, yeah, and they just get up and kind of keep walking. He has to like, he has to shoot him a couple of times in the, in like the head mm-hmm. for them to like stop moving. So it's like, they have to do so much more. Like, it's just completely out of like, it's the skills are like, it's not even close. Oh, yeah. The zombies have to do so little to get what they want. And they have to do so much to just like scrape by really ups the stakes. Oh yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. The designs were appropriately very upsetting. Yeah, I hate when fungus growing all over the place. Oh, oh, yeah. oh that's so very, gross. very accurate. They actually said in the after the episode thing, they had the uh, costuming guy, and he was like, "Yeah, we um, you know, we we're trying to kind of do a fresh take on it, and so we we wanted to kind of see where we could get at, or like what we could arrive at, you know, using the same obviously general idea as the show or as the game, but but kind of put our spin on it. But eventually, they just kind of kept working their way back to just doing the what it is in the game and uh yeah these clickers that we see in this episode are very very like pretty much straight out of the the first game there so it's cool oh yeah yeah like you said they're they're suitably kind of horrifying um and uh but neil Druckmann also talks about this in the thing of like they also are kind of like interesting and, and almost pretty in like a like, like a morbid sort yeah, of like way. a nature kind of way of like oh yeah there's like all these colors and it's it's this big fungal growth thing that's kind of neat to look at um even though it's attached to a zombie that's trying to eat you mm-hmm. yeah what do you think about that though? Like the whole concept of the the clickers and how they they can't hear because it's kind of they can't see or they can't hear. yeah they can't see so that that's why they're clicking they they have like almost an echolocation thing that they got going on. I think I think that's cool. I like it's that. kind of a point of difference, right? Compared to a lot of yeah. zombie stuff, I can't I don't know of anything that's quite like that. It's it's and I think I was gonna say it's definitely I'm the sorry. unique sort of like it's one of the uh, notable things about the the Last of Us infected. Oh yeah, for sure. And I also think um, it ties pretty well into uh, what they established in the show of like how they're underground and like how they are tracked to each other. Because if it's like vibrations, obviously you don't need your eyes to sense vibrations. It's more hearing and like sound, so that could it would tie in better that way. So I think it kind of like kind of like kind of build it around that idea, which is very unique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then they get past it, they kill them, and they're on the roof, and they finally get to the uh, the state house, and they notice that. Uh, couple is like the, the truck that's there is just full of blood and there's a bunch of dead guys and they're like what's going on here in the state house everybody's dead like they're just they're just all dead and joe's like yeah well i guess one of them got infected and they started infecting a couple of them and they all the healthy ones fought the sick ones and everybody lost because like again you only have to bite them and they're dead and all that and then tess reveals that the clicker and the one of the clickers that she was fighting bit her right in the neck real vampire the shit out of her and uh she uses that to prove that ellie is it's like a cure like is immune somehow because like they both got uh, like bit by them but ellie's wound hasn't started to fester or advance and tess's is like i mean it acted fast oh yeah it's been hours like hours. in hours and there's it's like uh, like a, all the way down like it's creeping up into her neck towards her brain and all down mm-hmm. her shoulder and i uh, know the clickers are like coming for him 
So then it's like, all right, Joel, you just got to take her and save her. Like, I'm I'm giving you my dying mission. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I, shit, I guess I got to do it. And she pours gasoline everywhere, puts a bunch of like, grenades out to destroy all these clickers that are coming. And then in a very upsetting scene, ugh, did not like this scene at all, <laughs> which I was at the point. Uh, the clickers are running past her. She's kind of on the side. She's trying to make a kind of flicker lighter and solve this tension. And a clicker stops and like walks towards her. And like its tendrils are to come out of its mouth. And then it like kisses her in a sense. And then just to put the tendrils into her mouth and like take over her brain even faster. And it's just, well, and as she's like holding on to her last bits of consciousness as a human, she gets her lighter to work and it blows up everything. Uh, it's just, ugh, ugh, so gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unsettling. I don't care for that much personally. No. I don't know why they, Me neither. they said that's another one of the things that they wanted to do differently, but I don't, I don't know if I like it that this, like the fungus comes out the mouth like that. I don't really get what it's for. It also is weird because they still have the bite, right? That's still yeah. largely the mechanism by which most people seem to get infected is being bitten. So I don't know why they also, they have the, both the biting and the, the weird tongue. They talk about it's, they have a name for it. What do they call like fungus stuff? Uh, I would just, I don't know, I, I would just call them tendrils, but I don't know if they that's have, the official like, Yeah, name. they had a, some kind of pseudo, well, not pseudo scientific, but I don't, I don't, obviously on most fungus it doesn't look or act like that, but. Right, of course. The, uh, the, the tendrily type stuff that they get, but yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. Um, didn't care for that. I, I, obviously it's just for the drama of the scene, but, um, didn't even make sense. Like, she dumped up, presumably that was all gasoline, right? Or diesel or some shit. Yeah. That she poured everywhere. Um. So like the fumes would be all all over the place. Like she probably could just spark it and it would have gone up regardless. Oh yeah, like it's everywhere and they're kicking it up every, all yeah. over the place. Like it's splashing that's how, everything. That's how gasoline works. I guess I feel like people forget that sometimes. They don't know that necessarily. But like gas, the liquid itself isn't lighting on fire. It's the fumes because it, it evaporates. Yeah, gas turns into a liquid until it like vaporizes instantly. Evaporates. And then the fumes burn. So it's so really, quickly. yeah, it's really easy to light. And like, yeah, she, I was like, she could probably shoot if not necessarily because like, uh, like a video game logic of you shoot a, you shoot gasoline and it lights on fire. But like the literal explosion of her gun going off would probably light to stuff. Still, mm-hmm. But whatever. Again, for drama, she needs to get her faulty Zippo to get going, <laughs> which is a thing I'm, I'm, I know I've got a couple of Zippos that I like to mess around with and. The freaking the lighter fluid in those also evap for a very similar reason <laughs> evaporates like instantly. I don't know how people actually use the like if you were an actual smoker. I don't know. There's probably a reason that everyone just uses Bix now because a Zippo that you have to like top off with physical lighter fluid would get get old real fast. Oh, it'd be unbearable to deal with. Um, but yeah, she she blows herself up and gets a lot of them, and so now they got to go off to see uh, Nick Offerman. Man, is he'll he'll be alone, right? Hello, Frank. Yeah. Uh, no, he's got a he, he's got a friend. Okay, I thought I said some other stuff about like what happens. I don't know. There. It's not clear how that's gonna work. It seems to be different. The thing is that in the game we never see Frank. Um, okay, that, that's what I was. Yeah, thinking we about. know of him, but but in this it seems to for just based off the preview for the next episode, it seems like we might. Oops, uh, we might get a little like flashback stuff almost of like how they first met and stuff, and maybe maybe even some flashback stuff to um how Bill and Joel know each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. That, that's uh. This next episode. So continuing on the journey. So this is the first of of a progression of people um, where Joel's going to try to get rid of Ellie, basically. <laughs> Tess is like, oh, just give him to that. They'll take him. 
and or they'll take her and he's like they're not gonna want her and he's like she's like yeah they'll just convince him though yeah you just you'll, you'll convince them i know it. he's like what the fuck i just like killing people man what do you want from me so i'm just a country boy that's their uh their next goal here is to try to try to get to bill and frank and see if they'll take ellie off off his hands um, yeah i suppose if it had another solid episode i would say i would have to agree i was a, a big fan i was very kept quick like they're very well paced it keeps you engaged this show's turned out pretty well so far yeah, it's like we uh, like we know it's good man so it's a lot of fun yeah well maybe not a lot of fun but it's it's certainly and entertaining, entertaining at least in some sense yeah. um i think they both everyone continues to be good um Peter Pascal and Bella Ramsey in particular, I think, shine this episode. Obviously, the thing about Joel in these early episodes is that he's going to be very reserved. Um, so he isn't saying and and doing much. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Bella Ramsey, I would definitely say she's suitably like energetic and kind of a little quirky and goofy at times and sassy when she needs to be and whatnot. So she's doing a good job. So, like, I like I, I particularly like the bit where she's pretending to be a like she's checking into the hotel and having fun with the, the bellhop cart and stuff. I thought that was fun. Yeah. And Joel's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, she's like, hey man, like I live in the apocalypse. Give me some. I do also like all those like the the stuff she does and doesn't know um from going to school. Because that's that's that is the thing they talk about in the in the show and stuff that they do still have, or the book or the fuck the game, sorry. Where she's like, Yeah, they they taught us where Detroit is and stuff. Like <laughs> she went to a school, so, so I think that's interesting. I know what a hotel yeah, is. She's aware like, of all this stuff at least, whether or not she's been able to see it firsthand or not have, have any like real concept of it but she knows mm-hmm. uh, but yeah you got much else to, to say uh no i think we got it out i hope uh i just wonder what do you think actually we can do this um what do you think if any of this gonna be the opener is gonna be yeah, it's gonna be like i'm hoping there'll be another one um i'm hoping we get some uh like u.s government like well what do we do we got a nuke boston hey, it would be cool yeah to like see because again i mean that's that's kind of the whole thing is that it's just and especially in the game where we don't even have any of these little things, it's just such a stark, like the first night of the outbreak and then 20 years later. So there's, there's any number of things to fill in that kind of gap and like show what happened, mm-hmm. the creation of Fedra maybe, and like how they, they came to be and how they have managed to hold on to power and like just any kind of ancillary stuff. It doesn't even have to be prior to the, the infection day. Like I, I would, I'd like to see any kind of stuff in between, um, how this like the sort of garment they have is still running barely like how it's still how they're managing to hold on to power like is the boston you know zone like practically on its own like what else is even you know what, what kind of centralized could you even have yeah. in a world like this so yeah and but it also would be cool to see how like the rest of the world is has reacted and and stuff so could be in any number of things i'm interested if they're gonna stick to like a lot of this though of just like scientists and, and people in the know being like oh this is fucked <laughs> a lot of people have yeah. more, um said that they're it's it's a bit distressing that like they're two for two on these scenes of like scientist people just making you really scared <laughs> Yeah, I've like, oh. and it's like a. I've I've read articles in the past, like for classes and stuff. Or this is like a real thing they're like afraid of. That like this is like like, like feasibly could happen where fungus could just take over. Yeah, for like in our world, for all the reasons that um, for all the reasons that they say like it's not it's not that far fetched that something like this f- could theoretically happen in some capacity. It's like ugh. Actually, I th- I was kind of I was gonna mention this. Um, I saw a video where. For the first episode, it was is this guy who breaks down like doctor scenes and stuff of like it's just medically accurate and he did it for the last of episode one, but he talked about how apparently the World Health Organization, um, last year, like late last year, like only a couple months ago now, 
um, released for the first ever time a list of um, what it considers life-threatening fungi. And it cited Ooh. some of this stuff as like an increase um, for this of like that potentially um, global warming is having an effect on making um, having fungus being able to make this leap to humans and stuff and, and whatnot. Um, the thing that he pointed out in the video, which I guess it obviously makes sense when you think about it, but like we do have anti antifungals, um, like yeah, that's true, pharmaceuticals and stuff that I I guess are like reasonably effective, right? So this mm. thing they always present in the show and they've, they've people talk about it, like you can't make a cure is maybe not strictly um, accurate, accurate, but still the general idea of it's kind of interesting. And yeah, the, apparently mm. this is a thing that's actually. Um, increasing right now before our very eyes. So, oh, man-made horrors. Let's go. Yeah, I'm actually, I, it's 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 wild. It's really interesting. I can't. I mean, the th obviously, the thing is that you know to make your um your your apocalyptic zombie scenario, it's all got to be turned up to eleven, right? Oh yeah, it's got to happen. It, it, like we like we said in the last review, like the 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 swiftness at which the world collapses is just obviously. A bit of an over exaggeration. Yeah, oh yeah. Even if, even if something progressed very quickly, there'd be some amount of like people would catch on quick, especially nowadays in the information age. Mm -hmm. It'd be nearly instant. also again the type of fungus that like makes you into a zombie. Basically, I mean that's the thing about that's mm -hmm. the thing about any and all zombie media is like listen, there's lots of, yeah like viruses and and this stuff can be scary, but like the fact that the virus also turns you into um like also like a murderous monster like it does it doesn't just kill you but it also makes you into a, a further threat that's mm, the, yeah. obviously the the notable in the and very much the you know the scientific fiction aspect of most of these things is like not only do you die but you also become a further obstacle for anyone who survives and and you're you know violently spreading it and whatnot which is probably the the harder leap to make but yeah yeah it's it's uh it's upsetting it's still distressing though Hey, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for every week that we watch The Last of Us, I'm going to stockpile um, uh, uh, several more pounds of, of rice and beans in my basement to sustain me in the end times. That's incredible. That ammunition. Oh, you're going to need that water, ammunition. Um, scissors to make shivs of, as anyone who's played the game would know. you got to get those scissors. I did notice that Jill has a knife, as you would. <laughs> He's just got an actual knife with him. And I'm like, yeah, that would make sense. Oh, That's another thing where I'm like, well, when when you're not making it as a video game where you need to like have artificial limitations, um, of course, anyone who's survived this long would probably just have a nice, reliable knife. <laughs> probably knives everywhere. Like we said, there's probably like, you probably kick, walk 10 feet and trip over a 59. More, more, knife, more knives than people at this point. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's probably more knives than people right now. But... Oh, most assuredly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So when you're not making artificial scarcity to make your game more difficult, you probably don't need your main character to be crafting shivs out of like broken scissors and duct tape. He can just have yeah. a knife that he has with him. So a real nice knife, like a Cartel Dundee esque fucking Bowie knife. That's kind of what he's got. He's got a nice, nice little. Uh, but yeah, let me see. I, was just, I wanted to find the fucking thing that they call it. It's it's definitely like a. I feel like it's a word that I've heard. I don't know. So it, the, the, yeah, this, the things that come out of your mouth. Their, their mouths like that. They had like a word for it. Well, it's not. A, nah, I don't know. It's not important. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You can probably just. That's our last half hour. Wrap it up and I can take out of this and move into the Bad Batch to finish us off today. Yes, sir. Perfect. Uh, so this is the episode five of the Bad Batch. 
Oh boy, treasure hunting time. I think it's the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, uh, boy, right. treasure hunting time. oh boy, treasure hunting time. Uh, where the uh, the boys, the Bad Batch themselves and Omega, go on a fun little treasure hunt with uh, that pirate lady from the first episode. The the baddest batch, some might say. Oh, absolutely devious. Uh, but yeah, they do a whole little like, I don't know, it's almost like Indiana Jones-esque national treasure-like um, gallivant about like a tomb where they uh, have to deal with various ancient booby traps and, and things. And, and a big monster who's immune to laser beams. Big monster, yeah. Uh, I mean, this was fun enough, uh, but largely kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like buy into the whole like, oh, it's a filler episode because um, as I think the more um, even handed people I've seen point out online, like really, especially when we're talking about the animation stuff in particular, a, a lot of it has always kind of fallen into that sort of category. Mm. Uh, it, that's just kind of the nature of these shows a lot of the times. Like they're they're not as I mean they have bigger seasons and they're obviously on some level um geared towards an even younger audience and stuff like yeah not all of these are like massive you know universe significant things it's just not the way it's ever been um but yeah and this is this is certainly in that vein of like this is just kind of a fun adventure that they go on it's not really moving any kind of you know whatever main uh plot, plot forward or, but that's fine. If they're really, there's not really, a, I would say, not really a main plot yet for this show, except for maybe Crosshair. Is I don't know. I think there's like whatever is going on on that mountain from the end of uh, season one. Um, yeah, yeah. In in or yeah, in season one, it was kind of like Omega and her origins and then the stuff on Camino, um, which is obviously not just gone now, but I, I think that's continuing with uh, Nala Say. Is that her name right? And the mountain and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Regardless, um, yeah, they just kind of just go. What's it? What the, fuck, the fuck's it called? Entombed. That's the name of the episode. Uh, entombed. Uh, it, the reason they do this is because Omega and Wrecker are some junkyard looking for some tool, of pe- not tool, but some piece of ship for tech. And they find like a compass, and they're like, "Oh, look at the fun golden compass!" And the pirate lady is like, "Ooh, this is probably a treasure map. We gotta follow these coordinates." Let's go look for it. And they're like, I don't think we should. It seems kind of dumb. And they're like, oh, I got no mission. Come on, Hunter. Let's do some fun. And he looks at Omega, Omega Echo, and Echo's like, I don't care. I don't say any lines in this episode, pretty much. <laughs> um, and yeah, they just go to the planet. And it's like uninhabited and it's all kind of barren. Go on this mountain, do a bunch of Zelda esque puzzles. Uh, they kind of, Hunter and Omega and the pirate get separated from the rest of them. And they kind of do, Hunter has to kind of come around to having fun with a pirate. Looking oh, yeah. for the heart of the mountain, it really is the main point. It's like the center, kind of like the Arkenstone from The Hobbit in a lot of ways. A little bit, yeah. Some ways. And yeah, it's very much one of those things where like the whole episode, they're like, what is this chick? No, she didn't know anything. She's she's just, you know, um, clearly she makes a lot of shit up and she's just kind of like, um, what's the word? She's just like bragging a lot and like, yeah, a real, real uh, tail spinner. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, whatever. But then. Omega, who is clearly like being young and naive, like she is, seeming seems to be uh, more easily taken in by it all. And so, like, all right, whatever, we'll make her happy. But then, kind of across the episode, the course of the episode, they, you know, they realize she's not completely incompetent, and there's she's got the right idea about some things, and there's probably some truth to some of the stuff she's done, at least. Um, you know, she's not got herself killed yet, at least. So, yeah, exactly, that's kind of a fun bit of an arc for Hunter to be like, all right, okay, I see you. There's there's something here. You're not completely useless. 
Um, but yeah, also, I mean, the whole their whole mission turned out to be folly to an extent, right? Because mm-hmm. this is one of those things, as as often is the case, as Indiana Jones could tell you, Jack. Um, where some of this stuff, maybe you don't actually want to mess with. Yeah, be careful what you wish for and all that. Some of these ancient powers are best left behind for a reason. And they uh, so they get to the heart of the mountain, and she takes it out, and it activates something. The Ark of the Covenant. It, oh my goodness! The sandbag wasn't heavy enough. All their faces melt off. Oh my god! Yeah, they all die except for Omega. She's pure of heart, or something. Or she's baptized, or um, not a Nazi. What's the point of that movie? Be baptized. Indy and Marion just don't open their eyes. They just don't oh. look upon it. I think is the big thing. They get that's what he tells her beforehand. He's right. like, don't look, and then they don't. And so I don't know. But they also are probably the best people there, given that everyone else um were actual Nazis. Nazis. So yeah. Who wanted to use it to kill a bunch of people? So that might have been more significant than the eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not super clear. I also don't even know. I, I still don't know why it does that. They probably say in the movie and I always just forget, but like why does the Ark of the Covenant kill you if you open it? What's in there? The the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but why would those have a bunch of like spirits that come out and kill you because that's what happens uh, right they open it and there's a bunch of like yeah, ghostly yeah. apparitions flying around and like sucking your soul, soul out or whatever and withering you away or melting your face off or making your head explode <laughs> so, uh, i gotta tell you i don't know i haven't seen that i've only seen the movie once and it was years ago almost yeah. probably over a decade ago sounds like you um regardless yeah. it's not actually the Ark of the covenant it's like a big mech it's a giant like giraffe ask mech it yeah, reminds me of, like of a uh, kaiju so- almost like a kaiju, but there's it's a similar designed robot. Obviously, now it's big from a horizon, like oh, Zero yeah, Dawn, yeah. Urban West, with all the robot animals. And they called, I think it's called a long neck. Yeah, it's like a giraffe robot. I'm not sure why all the animals in that game are robots. And I don't know either. Care. It's like the future, though. It's like the future, but they all use caveman tech or yeah. It's, it's one like, of those things, probably where we went too far and then we blasted ourselves back to the Stone Age or whatever. Probably, but I, it is actually Earth, I think, and it's just the distant future where we. We've actually ended up progressing, and there's, I think, I don't know, I've never played it. It's one of those pesky PlayStation exclusives again. Yeah, it had the unfortunate uh, title of being an open world game that came out right before Elden Ring, so nobody really played it. <laughs> I'm sure people played it, but I think people liked it just, just fine or whatever. I don't, I don't freaking know. Uh, but yeah, it's a big Mac, and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't turn this on, and so they turn it off. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, well, that's really about the extent of it. They're like, well, that was a close one. Good thing we didn't smash our ship like you wanted to do out of our greed for treasure. Like, I guess you're right. Maybe greed wasn't great after all. And she's like, let me tell you about... Oh my God, let me tell you some more stories about pirates or whatever. And we'll go and find a different know. treasure. Yeah. And like, Hunter's like, oh, geez, here we go again. Well, let me roll my eyes here. And then Tech beeps and borbs like a robot and Wrecker <laughs>, laughs. And Echo kind of just stares at you with empty, sunken eyes. The things they did to him are unspeakable, Jack. Yeah. He hasn't talked talk. talk a lot, I noticed. I mean, he hasn't been in a couple episodes. It's true. Isn't it so says- funny that, like, he really does do such a good job that you, you think of them like they're different people, almost. I'm like, man, are they gonna, man, I guess they couldn't get Echo back in the studio this week. But it's just that guy. They're like, him. oh, it's just him. Like, maybe he's overtime. He had too much overtime. They're like, we don't need an echo for this episode. We'll cut him out. <laughs> we don't need him in the studio for a third session this week. Let's just finish it up mm-hmm. here. Yeah, we don't need, we need, we need, hey, we'll let you go another 20 minutes early. You don't have to do all the echo lines. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, D. Yeah. He's like, oh, of course. Oh, man. How lucrative. Be like, make the clones like, I, like, I'll be cloned forever. I'll never run out of money. <laughs> 
So do we think he make? Do you think he makes like quadruple wages or? I think for the Bad Batch, he must. Well, I think he probably makes the most. Like, I can't imagine. Obviously, he gets the, more money than anyone else because well, some episodes there's <laughs> about the two voice actors. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like the clones and whoever plays Shock T. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just Omega and then him five oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, overall, just a fun one. Again, I. Like, apparently some people were disappointed by it being too fillery. Although, also, like, the whole concept of filler is, is, is pretty broke, if you ask me, if, we're, if, we're gonna, if we were to make a meme about it. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, that just doesn't, it just doesn't mean anything, really. Uh, I, yeah. I, I get it if there's some kind of central storyline that you want to. Like, it can feel that way sometimes, but it's very, very, very rare that um, they actually write a whole episode that has no bearing on anything, right? Yeah, and we talked about this a lot in season one. I think a lot of times with the Bad Batch, it just ends up being about characterization, like character development, which mm-hmm. okay, it's maybe it's not as valid or or not. not it's not not valid. Uh, maybe it's not as flashy or as exciting for you know whoever on a personal kind of level, but it's still very much valid, and it doesn't like that. Is not a, a sort of objective critique to make about a show is that like all this is filler because it doesn't progress whatever main story i would like it to like no that's not actually like fair or correct or anything yeah i agree especially because the show is just episodic like it's it's kind of it's not like again like you said it's not a big it's not like obi-wan where there's like a big story like very clear from the start it's like yeah it's kind of what they do in the day-to-day and how they're coping with it and and again, yeah, like Rebels that. was very much like that at times. Um, the Clone Wars, which everyone sort of um, props up as like the the golden child of of Star Wars shows, also definitely did that at times. Was was very much. I, I don't. I hesitate to even say guilty because I don't think it was that's anything wrong with it. But yeah, it was guilty of that same thing at times. Of like, this is just some random fucking episode with like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. This one's just R two D two and C three PO fucking around. This one, this whole episode, Anakin doesn't show up enjoy like that happened a lot i feel like people don't remember like one of the most um sort of maligned arcs is like there was a four episode arc that was just a bunch of droids and a little tiny alien man who sat in one of them was it i i said i have i've I've not seen the episode but i do know about the droid arc so like tactics like like, it's just it's very much a thing i think of like people who are of a certain age now where um much younger children then and probably the benefit of the doubt and nostalgia and all the like but now watching the bad batch as you know full-on adults 10 you know 10 plus years later are like man this isn't these aren't all super exciting and stuff and it's like yeah that's that's how it is though (laughs) that's how it always is it's it always has been not every episode can have yoda talk to darth bane like come on now precisely it's just not gonna happen so i think this show continues to be exactly what it is Basically, that's, and that's I, and, right. I, and you know, I'm willing to. I'll put my money on that. The show is the show that it continues to be. <laughs> that's all we can ask for, really. I in a lot so. of ways. Now, is this mech anything? Is that from anything? No, just a random fucking mech. Uh, not anything else. Star Warsy, if that's what you're getting at. Um, yeah. No. Uh, mechs are a weird thing. It, it's it's really is that weird particular blend of of stuff that makes up Star Wars. In terms of tech and sci-fi concepts and stuff, because like normally, right, you wouldn't think of mechs as being very Star Warsy, and and I I don't. Um, 
Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that. But then there's also you, you know, like stuff like the the different walkers and stuff are kind of mech-like to an extent, almost. But it's one of those things where it's just it just doesn't happen. It it seems to just not occur to them, um, despite the technology that they do have, which I would think it would be they would be capable of creating like a mecha suit thing like we would see from other sci-fi properties. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen and no one uh, really questions it. So, but yeah, this one in particular is nothing. The, the only other times that there's like more sort of stereotypical mechs is in um, a comic book, which is, you know, one of those things where it's kind of a smaller like kind of appearance. So it also, that, that comic also had like war blimp things. So, I remember the warblimps. Bring back those warblimps. I think I just I just don't think they can compete against um like fighter planes now, Jack. I think that's the problem. No, that that's just propaganda. That's anti blimp propaganda. (laughs) I think jets have too many advantages over (laughs) blimps to really justify their use on it. Yeah, missile precisely. Full of like explosive gas. I think it's I think it's all of those things. That can't be true. (laughs) My world will fall to ruin if I accept this. Yeah. Were you, so were you devastated and, and distraught by the uh, filler episode, or? Uh, yeah, I was crying and screaming on my floor. I like, so. was I was on, on my stomach, pounding my fists on the ground, screaming, "No, no, 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 no! Stop it!" Well, you know what that is, Jack. But, well, that's the duality of man, right there. That's just the duality of man. God bless. It's been a while since we brought that up. It's an only but a goodie. With that, Jack, I think it, I think it more or less closes us up for the week. I think it does. We've had a nice, we've had a couple of nice little short ones. Hope you've enjoyed them, listeners. Don't worry. If you're, we'll we'll we'll, we'll force another three-hour one soon. Don't you worry. Find something. We'll we'll think of something to do. We always do, but uh, but not this week. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to contact us for any reason, uh, except for any legal problems, don't contact us then. Uh, keep it to yourself. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Akatech Jazz. You can find us on Instagram at the Akatech Podcast and on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com. That's J A Z. Our intro was then my friend of the show, Celery Salt. You can always find him on SoundCloud and Spotify with his various uh, albums and singles with B-sides with more to come. Our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it. We produced it. We built all the sets. Uh, Say good to the people, Zach. If uh, if anyone was wondering what the the fungus word I was looking for before was, it's uh, it was mycelium. It's like good night. It's like the root. God. It's like the roots of the fungus, kind of. It's right. Like a yeah. Light structure, but for fungus, and that's what they say comes out of the mouth. So, what was that word again? Mycelium. Mycelium. And Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs>